This episode was recorded during the dual WGA and SAG-AFTRA strike. As fans and content creators, we stand in solidarity with the creatives currently on strike. There is power in a union. I'm JP Tuesday. And I'm Kiki Cannon. As lifelong Disney fans, the work of countless talented Disney creatives have shaped our lives. Now, as the Disney catalog expands, we're taking a journey through film and television to discover if that spark that shaped us as children lives on in adulthood. Does your favorite Disney media still cast that same spell? Join us as we find out. We are rewatching the, the magic. magic. Hi, Kiki. Hi, Tuesday. Uh, we're going to start this episode on a bit of a downer. Hours before we started recording, we got the news of the passing of Paul Rubens. And, um... Yeah, best, sh- best known as Pee Wee Herman, of course. Yeah, and he's had, um, multiple other roles that he's... Not as popular as Pee Wee, but, you know, he's has them. He's been... He was the Penguin's dad in Batman Returns. He was... Uh, Max the ship in Flight of the Navigator. He was Locke in in uh, in Nightmare Before Christmas. He was in the original Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie with the best death scene in possibly cinema history. Ah, yeah! Ah. Shout, shout out to that. <laughs> and uh, since we are talking Star Wars in this episode. He is the original Captain Rex, the droid Captain Rex, not the clone. We'll talk about the clone later. The original droid Captain Rex for the original version of Star Tours. Uh, I have never written the original version of Star Tours. By the time I finally got to go to a Disney park, they had changed it over to the current version with C-3PO. But uh, Kiki, you had mentioned off mic that you have written the original Star Tours. Yeah, when... uh... When I went as a little kid, they still had the original motion ride, the one that opened in 87, I think. Um, and I got to go ride it at the, um, what was then the MGM Hollywood Studios at Disney World in Florida. So um, that was the original one where you would be ushered into a motion car and there was a 70 millimeter projection screen uh, that would sync up and uh, you were supposed to be passengers on the way to indoor uh, for a vacation and a bit of a like a historical tour after the Battle of Indoor to see where the Battle of Endor had taken place. And then, of course, things go wrong, as they always do on these rides. <laughs> and oopsie doodle, you know, stuff goes wrong and your ship starts crashing and then you survive. Uh, but yeah, Paul Rubens did the the voice of the little droid pilot. Um, you can look up footage of the original ride on YouTube. Yeah, last year, uh, as part of the 35th anniversary of the ride, they released the original footage. It's out there. You can see the original ride footage. Uh, No, you know, obviously no motion simulation, but it's you can see what the original ride would have been. 
or what the original ride was through through a YouTube. Uh, Rex Rex the Droid is still in the park. He has moved. He is now in Olga's Cantina at Star Wars Galaxy's Edge as the D as as DJ Rex now spinning tunes while you uh, while you drink down your very expensive drink in the very expensive theme park. Yeah, it he's he's really cute. Um as a as a droid concept and Paul's voice for it was also very adorable. And occasionally he will say lines from the original ride as he's DJing. Which uh which they did not have to do. And they actually had Paul Rooms come back and re-record those lines. So that again, they did not have to do that, but I'm glad that they did. Yeah. Uh, we uh, may talk about this a little bit more next week. We might. We might. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, sh- shout out to a real one, because, man. Yeah. What a loss. What a loss. What a legend. remember growing up watching Pee Wee's Playhouse every Saturday morning, and just, yeah, it was awesome. Thank you, Paul Rubens. Thank you so much. But uh, moving on to the subject of today's episode, there's an Ahsoka show coming out. So it is time to once again get into that galaxy far, far away and once again get into the Clone Wars. We have talked about the Clone Wars previously, way back in in, uh, in May for our May the 4th episode. But we focused on the Mandalorian storyline of Clone Wars. This time we are specifically focusing on the character of Ahsoka Tano. Because it's her show and we really do need to know where she came from before we know where she's going. There is a certain section of the Star Wars fandom that will say with their whole chest... Oh, we it's not that we hate female characters. We hate poorly written characters. After all, we loved Ahsoka and Clone Wars. When if you actually go back to when the Clone Wars first aired, those same people were calling for her head. Because she was the annoying kid character, and she was the girl character that could do anything. And as we know... We can't have girl characters in Star Wars in Star Wars without somebody complaining. So if if you ever hear anyone say, "Is that that we hate Ray? We love Ahsoka?" They are lying. Straight, they are lying because they hated Ahsoka back then too. Yeah, but- it's the same thing as like Star Trek fans who are like, "Oh, you know, we don't." particularly hate this like character of color or whatever because you know we like Tuvok or whatever and it's like it's like um no I I remember when Voyager was airing and people were screaming about how could there be a black Vulcan like I, I was alive then and deep in the fandom I remember what y'all said. I have receipts. You know? Don't don't act like that crap just started yesterday. You know? Mm-hmm. 
So, uh, yeah, that's, um, that's kind of the same thing with, with Star Wars and women and stuff. I mean, you're right. And I'm still kind of new to the cartoons. We've discussed this previously. But this is the most animated Star Wars you've seen ever. (laughs) Was this this episode? Yeah, for this episode, this is absolutely the most of the animated stuff I've seen. Um, But, you know, I'm still in the fandom. And even if I'm not watching the shows, I'm following what the conversations in the fandom are. Mm -hmm. And so... Yeah, I I know what people are talking about, even if I'm not watching the shows. And you are 100% correct on that. I understand where they were coming from because I was I I watched the original Clone Wars movie, and I did not like it, and it turned me off from the show for a very long time. Up until the show, up until when the show started getting streaming, then I just decided. To give the show another chance and watch it and realize how good the show is. And part of it was Ahsoka. She was an annoying kid character. She was that kid power character that she was always the smart aleck one. She was always, you know, she was the one that was always right. Her plan always came through. I get it. I get why some people did dislike her, but it can't be... It can't be uh, ignored that there was a section of the fandom that hated her because it was a girl. And why would Anakin have a girl as his Padawan? And I think it's a lot also coming from a lot of people who just played the Force, the Force Unleashed, where he had uh, Starkiller as his uh, apprentice, as uh, Darth Vader. And uh, no, no, no. Starkiller's never been canon. You can forget about that. That ain't happening. <laughs> but I understand that. And also introducing this character who is supposed to become a big deal in this show who never showed up in the movies. Because the movies were done. Episode 3 was already done when this show was starting to air. So how are you going to explain this character who is supposed to be Anakin's Padawan, who is supposed to be this big, big, important character that does not show up in the movies? How are you going to get rid of her to explain why she doesn't show up in the movies? And they did, they did, you know, we'll get to it, but they did a good way to, 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 uh, to remove her from that situation. But uh, we do need to go to the beginning. So we saw the Clone Wars movie. We saw 28 minutes of the Clone Wars movie, (laughs) which is all you need to see. Because I have said this once and I've said this a thousand times. Nobody cares about Jabba's son getting kidnapped. All you need to see of the movie is that first half hour because it is necessary, unfortunately, because it is Ahsoka's introduction. And I can see the hate here because, again, she is the, you know, you know, she is uh, the way they introduce her is 
Anakin is now a full Jedi Knight. And Obi-Wan wants another student. You know, hey, I did a good job with you, Anakin. I can teach another Jedi. For now. (laughs) (laughs) If only Obi-Wan knew what was coming, maybe he'd get out of the Padawan business. Yeah, so it's like, you, you, you know, I've asked, you know, I asked the council to send me a new Padawan. And they send him Ahsoka. And what does Ahsoka say? Actually, I've been assigned to Anakin Skywalker to be his Padawan. After Pad, And again, it's a nice little comedic cartoon moment where Anakin says, I would never have a Padawan. I'm too cool and suave to have a kid following me. Oh, crap, I have a kid following me. <laughs> and yeah, you know, uh, and Ahsoka immediately gets on the annoying. Is like, you're the Jedi. You're the one that comes up with the plan. I'm the one with the youthful optimism. And I wa- every time I watch this, I say, you know what? I can see why people hated Ahsoka at first. Actually, I'm going to disagree with you. I did not hate Ahsoka in that thing. I was kind of immediately on Ahsoka's side. The thing that I hated... Mm -hmm. Okay, here's the thing. When you watch the Ridge Tridge, Mm -hmm. okay, the Jedi seem kind of cool, right? Mm -hmm. And you're like, wow... I want to be a Jedi like my father before me. And then you watch the prequels. And the Jedi start to seem a little sus, right? It's like, hi, we're a religious cult that kidnaps children from their parents and raises them in isolation And teaches them not to, like, love anybody. That you're like, wait, wait, what? That, that doesn't seem right. You know? Mm -hmm. Like, like, they start to seem just slightly sus, okay? So then you get into this first half hour of the Clone Wars. And Ahsoka shows up and she's like, what, 12 or something? Something right there. Um, and they just send this kid. Now, remember, this is the Clone Wars. We start out in a battle. Obi-Wan and Anakin are leading clone troopers against droids in a battle. And it is not going well for them. And suddenly this, like, 12-year-old just shows up and she's like, Hi, I'm a kid, and I'm on the front lines of a battle. And you're like, okay, already this is weird. And she's like, I'm here to be your student. And you're like, okay, well, maybe just, like, stay back at the Jedi Temple and wait for Anakin to come back. Okay? Because you're 12, and this is literally the front lines of a war zone. But, okay, Yoda just sent her here to the literal front lines of a war zone that they are also losing when we come into this. But then this 12-year-old 
wanders up to Captain Rex and is like, hey, what's up? I'm your boss. Yeah, I'm a Jedi. I outrank you. And the thing is, is that Rex is like, well, yeah, technically you're correct. What's up, 12-year-old? You got any, like, you know, experience for me? 12-year-old that has never been in a battle before? I do like Rex's, you know, that he values experience over rank. I mean, yeah, but he also admits that, like, she's technically correct. And I'm thinking, um, okay, so originally Lucas did Star Wars as like a ethical thing about fascism and imperialism and, you know, a statement on the Vietnam War and stuff like that, okay? So he's meant for he meant for it at the beginning to be tied with real world ethical concerns. And flash forward to this, and we've got the Jedi being like, yeah, child soldiers are okay as long as they've got magical powers. And were stolen from their parents, which is literally what happens when you have child soldiers in war zones. I mean, the Jedi are, throughout this entire series, the Jedi are very much full of themselves, which leads to their downfall. Which is probably part of what Lucas is trying to say here. I mean, I'm not so much sure if it was Lucas. I mean, he was still... Or Filoni. Filoni! It's Filoni, Filoni is definitely, I think, the one, the one doing it here. But, like, this is why, and we discussed it when we discussed... The Last Jedi. This is why I really liked what The Last Jedi was trying to say. Because, like, you look at stuff like Clone Wars and you're like, well, if you follow what Lucas set up in the prequels, the Jedi are awful. I mean, yeah, they're they're not the Sith, but they're not. Like you're you're literally choosing the the lesser of two evils here. Yeah, there's just as much blood on the hands of the Jedi as they are on the on the separatists. I mean, I'm I'm not I'm not like pro Sith here, mm. of course, but you know we have parts of this. And, you know, we're we're kind of skipping around here, but, like, there's parts of, of the thing where, like, ah- Ahsoka is, like, she sees some stuff happening and she's like, ugh, I think we would call that slavery. And I'm like, since when are the Jedi against slavery? They don't do anything about it. Which is part of why Anakin goes against him. In that same episode, Anakin's kind of like, yeah, why aren't we doing something about slavery? Well, Anakin, it's not our place to interfere with the laws of certain planets. And it's like, that kind of is part of the start of Anakin's own uh, doubt in the Jedi Order. Aren't they supposed to be helping people? Aren't we supposed to be the, the good guys? Why are we not freeing the slaves? Yeah, and that's that's the thing is like 
And from a former slave. Yeah. That's that's how they got Anakin in the first place, is that... They won him. (laughs) they, They won him, yeah, but, you know, in the prequels, Anakin's like, wow, Jedi showed up. They're here to free me and my mom. You know, Jedi stand for justice and peace throughout the galaxy. And the Jedi are like, yeah, no, we don't do that. And it ties in with what happens here with Ahsoka and why we don't see her in the prequels. I mean, let's just go ahead and skip to that because that's the most important part of Ahsoka's thing. Yeah, the most important thing of Ahsoka's journey is she is literally framed for murder. And treason. And treason. Yeah, we're skipping all the way to that. Well, no, I mean, I'm not talking about, like, Order 66, because everybody knows about Order 66. I'm no, talking no, no, about... no. I, I am talking about that, you know, Ahsoka and Anakin are put into an investigation at a terrorist bombing at the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. All right. So, yeah, they are put in, this, in charge of this investigation, and they find the bomber... Well, they find part of the bomber, who was also the bomb. I love that 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 gag when they when they finally find out who did it. Hey, did you find the bomber? Well, we found parts of him. Yeah. So so it turns out the bomber had nano bomb nano droid bombs in his body, and they and they trace it back to the guy's to to the guy's wife. Who has been disillusioned by the Jedi? Like the Jedi were, uh, just like you said, the Jedi used to stand for justice and peace throughout the galaxy, and now they're soldiers fighting a war that not everybody agrees with. There are protests. We see war protesting in this series, especially these episodes. People protesting the war that you know. This this does mirror what was happening during George Lucas's young days with people protesting the Vietnam War. You know, the war is unjust. End it. You know, there's got to be a better better way to settle whatever your issues are than constant battles over all of these planets and who knows how many innocent lives are 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 getting hurt because of it. And you're talking about innocent lives, uh, you know. I didn't intend to watch the episodes because they weren't on our list, but I told you I watched some extra episodes. Mm-hmm. I also watched the episodes where Ahsoka comes back into the series and she hooks up with the two sisters that are smuggling spice. Mm. Um, because I wanted to see kind of how they reintroduced her uh, into the series in the final season. Mm-hmm. And she has the the bit of she hears about the collateral damage the Jedi caused to these two girls where the Jedi was chasing you know some criminal or whatever 
and diverted away you know it's the it's the trolley problem mm. you know the the jedi that was chasing the bad guy diverted it away from a larger population center and directly into these girls house and the girls were able to escape but their parents ended up being killed by the the crash caused by you know the jedi chasing the bad guy and the jedi just walked up and said i had to make a choice but the force will be with you like you know the the jedi just caused the death of their parents they're orphans now they had to move from topside Coruscant down to the lower levels of Coruscant where they had to become criminals just to survive. And all the Jedi did was like, yeah, whatever. I had to make the choice between your parents and other people. May the force be with you. Needs of the many, needs of the few. But also, it's- like, the Jedi didn't, like take them in or give them jobs or even check if they were force sensitive or or give them new housing or like we know from the from the bombing episode that there are people who work in the Jedi temple who are not force sensitive and also apparently working for the Jedi pays crap cuz there's a uh... The, the 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 bomber who we find out is like one of the weapons repairmen and and mechanics he's still living in the slums of Coruscant so apparently working for the Jedi pays Jack poop and Ahsoka is shocked to find that out because she thought that they were paying well adding more to the disillusion in both Anakin and, and Ahsoka I I will say that I know that this is a show for, like, seven-year-olds or whatever, but could they have made the reveal of who was behind all that any more obvious? That's kind of what I wanted you to watch one of the earlier episodes, so you can actually get the introduction of that character. So, yeah, Barris, who was introduced in an earlier episode, is also a Padawan. About the same age as Ahsoka. And she's like shocked. Like how can someone attack the Jedi Temple? Oh Ahsoka you're my friend. I'm going to watch out for you. How how dare they frame you for this. For this for this act. And yeah. And, and Ahsoka is framed for. The wife's murder. Whereas she has something. She, she wants to confess that she, that she didn't work alone. That she worked with one of the Jedi. In the temple for, to. To uh, set up the bomb. And before she can reveal which Jedi she worked for. She's immediately killed. And Ahsoka is blamed for the murder. It's even assumed that Ahsoka was the accomplice. With this with this woman. So she's put on trial. And we find out that Barris has been setting it up the entire time. She set up Ahsoka. She set up the bomb. She even sets up uh, Asajj Ventress as a fall as another Patsy. I wish we could have watched more uh, Asajj Ventress episodes. She's one of my, I love that character design and want to see more of her. But you know, but uh, even stealing Ventress's lightsabers to 
put more blame on Ventress. Like, you know, like, like, uh, they believe Ventress attacked them, but it was really Barris in with, in with wearing Ventress's helmet and with her lightsabers. So, yeah, and we find out that Ventress also is become disillusioned, uh, that Barris has also become disillusioned with the Jedi, that they've lost their way, that they've succumbed to the dark side. That, you know, we, again, we used to stand for peace. We used to be impartial. Now we're fighting, now we're fighting soldiers on the front lines. This is the work of the dark side. What the hell are we doing? And it really shows what, how the, how, how easy it was to turn the public against the Jedi. It doesn't fully explain why the Jedi conveniently, you know, so many people forgot about the Jedi, like they became this myth and legend. But it does explain why it was so easy to turn public opinion against the Jedi in the prequels and in, and in later live action shows. The fallout from the Clone Wars was deep for a lot of people. Well, here's here's one thing that I kind of also have a bit of a problem with, which is there's one episode that we watched where, like, Ahsoka gets kidnapped by some trained oceans because they want to hunt her most dangerous game style. Yeah, I was going to mention that. And all, but the thing that, that's not what annoys me. Mm -hmm. The thing that annoys me is that, uh, Chewbacca just shows up out of nowhere. Yeah. And the thing that annoys me about that is, okay, one of the reasons why the Jedi seemed, like, so mythical is that the Jedi would, like, show up, snatch kids that had the Force, and disappear. And take them back to Coruscant. And train them in the Jedi Temple. So you could kind of buy that, like, people heard about the Jedi, but, like, they rarely saw them because the Jedi just kind of sat in their golden temple on Coruscant. And they would show up occasionally to kind of, like, do a thing and then disappear. And people would be like, yo, I saw a Jedi. He had a lightsaber and everything. And he did like magic. And people would be like, yeah, whatever. Jedi aren't real. Cause you never really saw them. Okay. I could kind of buy that because you see like when Anakin is a kid, he's like, Oh, yeah, I've never seen a Jedi, but I heard they carry lightsabers and you're carrying a lightsaber, so you must be a Jedi. Okay? And you can be like, oh, well, he's in the middle of the sticks out on Tatooine, far away from anything, because that's what Luke says, you know? Tatooine is, like, way out in the middle of nowhere. And you can believe that this Jedi order that stays on the core planet never comes out to the boondocks, right? Mm. 
So you can believe that these people who never see a Jedi just kind of go like, yeah, I think that's just kind of propaganda from the Senate. Like, ooh, we have space wizards, fear us, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, except... Is this galaxy, like, super huge, or is it super tiny? I mean, Chewbacca did fight in the final battle of the Clone Wars with Yoda. So it's not like he's unknown to... It's not like Jedi are unknown to him. I know it's been a while since you've seen episode three, but... Well, but the thing is, is that this seems to be the setup for that, because this seems to be, like, how he met Yoda... Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think this is them explaining, like, how Chewbacca and Yoda know each other. Also, this is a season finale episode, and we need something big for the season finale. Uh, Chewbacca. Yeah. But the thing is, is that this kind of happens all the time in Star Wars, and I know it's like they're trying to be like, oh, well, we want to connect characters together so that you'll be like, oh, yeah, I know that guy. But here's the thing. It kind of makes the Jedi look even more either ineffectual or uncaring. Take your pick. Yeah. Because in the prequels, you know, they show up to Anakin and they're like, oh, yeah, well, we can't free the slaves everywhere because we've only got limited power. You kind of buy it because they're on this, like planet on the outer rim that like nobody ever goes to and maybe the Republic doesn't have power there. You know, so like what are what is like, you know, two Jedi gonna do against an entire planetary government or whatever. Mm -hmm. But that also doesn't seem to be the case when you watch something like Clone Wars. Because the Jedi seem to be everywhere doing everything all at once, you know? So, take take your pick. Are the Jedi uncaring? Or are they completely ineffectual? Well, they didn't know there was a Sith Lord right there beneath their feet, so... Yeah. The... But, like, two Sith running around in the shadows is easy to overlook. Multiple planets running off of slavery. And you just know that's happening and you don't do anything about it. I mean, they With even, your magic wizard powers. They even say, it, now granted, we talked about these episodes the last time, but we're talking about them again. The Siege of Mandalore. They straight up say that's not in Republic territory. We can't go there. We can't interfere. Plus, we've got to go to Coruscant because Palpatine's being kidnapped by General Grievous. So it's like they, despite being great, powerful space wizards, they bound themselves to the laws of the Republic. So if the Republic says don't do that, they're not going to do that. If the Republic says you can't go there, they're not going to go there, even if people need their help. The the thing is, though, is that 
the Jedi were set up to be like the ethical core of Star Wars. And there is a difference between legality and ethics. A thing can be legal and not ethical. Mm -hmm. And so to say like, well, they bound themselves to the laws of the Republic doesn't really hold sway with me if the laws are unethical. So, I I mean, it's just, for me, that's not really a a very good persuasive argument. It's not an an excuse, but unfortunately, the Jedi are going with it. And again, that that is part of the the disillusionment that not only does Anakin and Ahsoka and a couple of other Jedi have, but the general populace as well, is that they have gone from being... The, the the for lack of a better term, the conscience of the galaxy to being servants of the Republic. Soldiers. The thing that I ended up liking about the character of Ahsoka as it went on was that Ahsoka had all of the same issues with the Jedi that Anakin did, but she was the ethical mirror to Anakin. Ahsoka and Anakin saw the exact same problems with the Jedi, and Anakin went, screw it, dark side, and Ahsoka went, screw it, my morality for all of the character growth that Anakin gets throughout the series deep down he is still that slave kid from Tatooine and when he's in those situations where he knows that he can do something and he's told he can't he's going to do it anyway because why not have if you have all of this power to do something why not do it? This is kind of why he ends up choosing the dark side in the begin in, in the in the long run because the dark side aren't bound to the morality of the Jedi, like the, the the morality of the light side, like the Jedi are. If he wants peace, he's going to make peace happen, even if he needs to force people to get into that peace. I mean, that's that's. That goes all the way back to episode one, episode two, episode three. And we do see shades of that in the Clone Wars, in the the cartoon. And we also, when I first saw the show, I didn't believe that this Anakin could grow up to be Darth Vader. As I saw more of the show, oh yeah. There there is bits where where that Vader starts coming out. Like, he's straight up about to freaking kill Ventress and Barriss just for the, just for considering harming Ahsoka. Like, you could see the Vader's it right on the surface bubbling up. Like, he's about to choke out bare, uh, choke him out with his bare hand. Which is, um, I do want to talk about the 
the adventure the trio had on Mortis. So they get a distress call, a, an ancient Jedi distress, an ancient Jedi distress call, and they end up on the planet Mortis, where they meet the embodiment of the embodiment of the Force, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Daughter. Yeah, where each of them represent the dark side, the light side, and the balance in between. And I do like how the son tries to tempt Anakin, even showing him his future, that he will become Darth Vader. You will become the most evil creature in, the, in this galaxy and the harm and the pain and the, and the evil that you will create. And it was fun seeing, you know, Sith-eyed Anakin done in animation to show like, like, Man, if, if if the prequels were animated, would they have been better? Maybe. I don't know. Well, I think the prequels would have been better if they'd have had a voice other than George Lucas inputting. Retroactively put Dave Filoni in there. I don't know. Or just, you know, an Anyone. editor, uh, you know, so, somebody else. Uh, uh, any other voice. <laughs> But one of the great scenes in that is when all with when all of the characters are getting these visions through the force because Mortis is this very force sensitive planet, and Ahsoka gets a vision of her future self, who tells you who tells her, "Yeah, you need to get away from Anakin. Crap's about to go down, and you don't want to be around him when it happens." And it does lead to her eventually leaving the Jedi Order and her future self being right to the man that Anakin does become. The thing that really does, and this will play out when this will play out in later shows and likely will play out in the Ahsoka show, is when the brother who wants to leave Mortis and spread the dark side throughout the universe kills his sister. And she's dying, and the father seems to take it upon himself to use the spirit of the daughter to save Ahsoka, who's also dying from the influence of the son. Like, she says, you know, he says, let my daughter's final act to be to save your friend. It's like, that really wasn't her choice, was it? Yeah. I mean, I like the daughter as a character. She seems like, I wish they had done more with her other than these these three episodes. But it does influence Ahsoka for the rest of the series. That now she has the spirit of the light side of the force inside her. The, I, the interesting thing is, is that she has the spirit of the, the light side of the force in her. And yet. That seems to be the thing that allows her to break away from the Jedi. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was what I, what I was getting at. It's like, there, is there something that the spirit of the daughter knows, or 
now that the spirit of the daughter who who lives within Ahsoka sees what the Jedi are doing and it's like, yeah, yeah, yeah it, it, it's time to go. The Jedi have lost their way. Which is true. The Jedi have lost their way by this point in the Clone Wars. I'm not sure that the Jedi ever had their way. Once again, that's why I kind of like The Last Jedi so much is Yoda was was kind of right in that we kind of we kind of need to give up on that old way. Luke was also right in that, you know, the Jedi's own hubris was their own downfall. They were so full of themselves, they that you know, and we've seen it in real life religious organizations. P- take your pick of which religion, because it's more than one. That they are so full of themselves and so full of their own righteousness, they de- that they don't see that they have that they're not exactly following the words that they say that they're following. That they're hurting people, innocent people, in the name of their religion. And, and, uh, right, and you're right in that Ahsoka and Anakin are seeing this with their own eyes, and they take different paths in that. Ahsoka herself is a nice counterpoint to Anakin, having the same equation and coming out with a different solution, which is what you said earlier. And Ahsoka deciding that, you know, the Jedi Order turned their back on her because they suspected that she committed a crime. Not that she actually did a crime. Was that they suspected that she did a crime. And that it's, you know, another character from the from the OG from the from the OT, Tarkin, convinces them, maybe you should just kick her out of the Jedi Order so we can put her on trial with the Senate. <laughs> and you know, I mean from an outside, from a fan, from a viewer's perspective, where the prosecutor is Tarkin and the judge is Palpatine, it was never going to be a fair trial. But um, you know, after the trial is ended, after all the smoke and mirrors are, you know, after the truth has been revealed, they just say, "Hey, Ahsoka, our bad. You want to get back in our special club now?" And, and I like Ahsoka being like, "Um, no." You know, these these guys are supposed to be, you know, the Jedi are supposed to be the people who can come up and be like, oh, I sense your emotions and your motives. Aren't you supposed to be walking lie detectors, Jedi? Ahsoka is standing there being like, hey, I didn't do it. Shouldn't Yoda or Mace Windu or somebody be be like complete truth? I sense from her, you know. And they've done that in other in other Star Wars productions. They've done it in other episodes of this show. Yeah, I mean, just stick her in front of the Jedi Council and be like, give your testimony, and just have all the other 
members of the Jedi Council be like, do we feel any deception from her? No. Okay, then she's probably telling the truth. And that's what they were going to do. Yoda even says that they, they would conduct their own internal investigation on Ahsoka. But it's Tarkin getting in their ear and says, no, nah, why don't you let us do it? Because if you if you have your own investigation, it's not going to look good to the general public. And they could have easily done a public, you know, the Jedi Order could have easily done a public trial of Ahsoka. If that was what it would please the general public. They didn't have to expunge her from the Order and put her at the mercy of... Tarkin and Palpatine. The thing is, is that the more you learn about the Jedi in these things, the less awesome they seem. Yeah, it's it's the don't meet your heroes vibe. Because when we see that, like, like you said, when we hear about them for the first time in the original trilogy, they are these myths. They are these legends. They are these giants and powerful and stand for good and righteous, and then when you actually see their day-to-day lives in the prequels, in the Clone Wars cartoon, yeah, yeah, a lot of that is is is, is not exactly true. And the, you know, by the end of it, you're almost as disillusioned with the Jedi concept as Anakin and Ahsoka are. At least you're supposed to be, because there are some fans that are just like, Jedi, you're still awesome. Why can't every character be a Jedi? And, I really want to see more. I mean, this is kind of beside the point, and mm-hmm. I think... I'm kind of hoping that we're going to get into it with future uh, Star Wars media. I really want to see more non-Jedi, non-Sith Force users. Am I the only one? You're not, but there are just people who are going to see anyone who's not a a dark side person using the Force and think, Jedi! I mean, I'm, I'm the general fandom, anyway. I mean, I really want to see, like, ever since the the old EU books, mm-hmm. I've really wanted, like, four switches of Dathomir. I mean, there are people who say that's Ahsoka, because she, in, you know, she... After leaving the Order, she does constantly say that she is no Jedi. Well, yeah, and, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I I think that that's kind of... At least I'm hoping that's kind of where they might go. But then uh, you get into the... There's a term, and I hate it. I hate it, hate it, hate it. I hate the term Grey Jedi. And I just hate it because... Kind and they that's how they describe the nah, I'm not a light user, I'm not a dark side user, and it, I'm in the middle, like I'm the gray Jedi. Like, no, that term sucks because well, I can't. go ahead. I mean, well, I don't like the term Jedi applied to it because to me, the, the Jedi is like the kind of specific religion, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. the uh, ideology. 
I like Before. I want to see force users who are just force users. You know, they've tapped into the force, but they're not they weren't raised in the Jedi tradition. We'll meet him next week. Well, yeah, but you know what I'm saying? Like I want there to be that's why I was so happy remember when I you know we talked about this again in Last Jedi that's why I was so happy at the ending of Last Jedi with that little kid with the broom mm -hmm. because I was like okay we're finally democratizing the force and then fan outcry said yeah no we don't want that and then Disney caved well, that wasn't fan outcry. That was like five people on the internet and Disney caved. But that's what I I personally want to see. I want to see like after the fall of the Jedi Order, you know, Sith only ever have two. Without the Jedi there to go around, like, testing children for midichlorians or whatever they were doing. And snatching the babies and raising them in the Jedi Temple. Like, Force users did not just disappear with Order 66. Maybe if you're stupid about it, you'd get caught taken away by the Empire. Because I'm sure there's still like a Force user genocide going on during uh, either, the... Either you're, either you're killed or, you're, or you join the Empire as an Inquisitor. Yeah, I mean... But... There have to be smart people out there. I mean, Ahsoka survived... Yeah, but I'm talking about, like, independent people who just discovered one day, like, oops, I moved something with the Force. You know? Mm -hmm. And people have heard, you know, there has to be, like, a, an underground idea of, like, ooh, we heard, like, somebody moved something with their mind, and then the next day they disappeared. You know? I mean, that's... <laughs> That, that's kind of the whole Inquisitor thing. You're, yeah. You're, you, you wrap them out, the Inquisitors come and kill them. So there have to be people that are that are smart. I mean, we kind of see it a little bit in the Obi-Wan series. Mm -hmm. But that's like very soon after the Jedi Purge. We'll be seeing a lot more Inquisitors next week. <laughs> well, yeah, but... I'm saying, like, as it goes on, as mm -hmm. the rebellion goes on, mm -hmm. you know, by the by the time, you know, Luke Luke Skywalker and stuff, and by you know, there have to be people that just discover they have force powers and are still scared to tell people. I wouldn't mind a story about that, you know, just someone yeah. who can use the force but knows of the Inquisitors or knows that the Empire will... that the Empire has put a bounty on any Force user. But, 
marked for death and they have to keep their their identity secret. I'm guessing there would probably be like criminal syndicates that would also try to hunt down force users and try to get them on their side, you know? So I think without the Jedi there to, for lack of a better term, regulate the use of the force, I think it would be a free for all trying to find you know? And also, I mean, not every Jedi died in Order 66. So it's possible that one of these Jedi that survived could find a young Force user. Again, we'll talk about that next week. And and try to teach them to at least use their abilities in a way that is proactive, that will benefit people. Or you could just walk away. We don't, you know, again... A situation where someone, oh, you can do this. Well, I can do this too. Well, and that kid just walks away from that person. No, 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 no. I want nothing to do with you. I've heard about you. I don't know. Yeah, no. I mean, that's that's kind of what I what I liked about what they did with Ahsoka in this series is that it shows a different idea of the Jedi from the inside mm-hmm. is that we see before like, Oh, well anybody who rejects the Jedi is automatically dark side. But then in this one, we get the idea of, well, you know, there, there were problems here. I mean, if you just go by the movies the only Jedi you see that has a problem with the way the, the Order is, is structured and how they carry out their plans is Anakin. And I do like that the Clone Wars shows that there's more Jedi that question the Order, like Ahsoka, like Barriss, like others, that have, that have that question the Jedi Order, that become disillusioned with the Jedi Order. That Anakin isn't the only one. Yeah. I am going to say, though, that having seen more of the Clone Wars, mm-hmm. you know, I I wasn't really interested in watching Clone Wars. And then we, we did it because... Mandalorian. Of, you <laughs> the know, Mandalorian, Mandalorian and, and now because of Ahsoka and everything. And I'm going to say, this is still not one of my favorite shows. I, I'm sorry. It's just not. And But I think that the problem is not really so much with the creatives on the show. Because with the live action stuff, you know, I love the Dave Filoni live action stuff. We've talked about that before. I think my problem is that we spent so many years after hearing about the one little line of General Kenobi, you served my father in the Clone Wars and he asked you to serve him now. And as Star Wars fans, we were like, Clone Wars, that sounds awesome. 
you know, Jedi fighting clones or, you know, there there were evil clones of Sith maybe or like I love the 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 um the theory that people thought Obi-Wan was a clone like Obi-Wan was a clone name. Yeah, I mean, we had so many theories about like what this awesome clone war was and then we get to you know, Attack of the Clones, and we're like, all right, we finally get to find out what the Clone Wars is about. And it's like, uh, the Republic just cloned Boba Fett's dad, who was really boring as a dude, and they're using it to fight some robots. And we actually don't know what this is about except somehow it has something to do with Palpatine's plan. I've seen the prequels multiple times. I've seen now most of the Clone Wars series. I still don't know what this war is about. I don't know what the Separatists want. Doesn't Seriously. matter. Seriously. Honestly, it doesn't matter. The it, they were just means to an end for Palpatine to become emperor. Yeah, exactly. It's like something, something. Palpatine started a war. Somehow, Palpatine started a war. There is absolutely nothing about this that makes that much sense, except. Uh, there was a line about Clone Wars, and so now we need some clones. Something, something Boba Fett. Yeah. I, honestly, nothing about the Clone Wars makes any damn sense. And I think that's why I don't like the Clone Wars as a series. Not that the characters aren't good. I really like Ahsoka as a character. Mm-hmm. Honestly, watching the Ahsoka episodes, I like Ahsoka as a character. Whenever Ahsoka is doing something, really like it. Whenever they're like, and now we have to deal with the Clone War as a plot. Super duper boring, because what is this war even? And but it's I not Filoni's problem. He's dealing with Lucas was just like, oh yeah, I said something about clones and that would happen right about now. What should I do? And instead of making it something interesting, it is the most boring, non-understandable thing in Star Wars. The most boring part of the Clone Wars is the actual Clone Wars. Yeah, which is like, what? Like... The, the the fight scenes are great, but it's the character moments that really connect. So on that, let's let's wrap up the entire series. We've talked about two of these episodes before because they had to do with the Mandalorian storyline. But now we're gonna talk about all four, the final four episodes of the series, which take place at the same time of Revenge of the Sith. And I do like that they actually actually animate certain scenes from Revenge of the Sith into the episodes, and then where the cutaways happen, here comes Ahsoka just walking in the door. Yeah, like, that that was pretty cool. Mace Windu talking to, to, to Yoda and the other Jedi about, 
what are we going to do about Palpatine? And then <laughs> five minutes earlier, they sent they sent Anakin to go talk to Palpatine. And then here comes Ahsoka. Hey, I need to talk to Anakin. Oh, wow. Ahsoka, if you had just walked in that door five minutes earlier, we could have avoided this whole thing. Yeah, I think I think she missed Anakin by like 30 seconds. Yeah. And so, yeah, the, 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 the first half of the four deal with the Siege of Mandalore as the, the final attack on... Darth Maul's uh, Death Watch and taking up, taking back control of the planet for for Bo-Katan. And again, we've talked about those two episodes in the previous Clone Wars episode. They capture Maul, but now we're getting into the final two episodes here. Where can, can I just say one thing real quick about them capturing Maul? I just love the Mandalorians like wheeling Maul out like so much Hannibal Lecter. <laughs> yeah. That just made me laugh so hard. Oh, and speaking of things that seven-year-olds will totally get, mm-hmm. when they're doing the bit about Ahsoka being on the run after being accused of murder or whatever... I love that they do the entire Harrison Ford fugitive bit <laughs> with Ahsoka and Anakin. And I wanted her to be like, I did not kill that man's wife. And Anakin being like, I don't care. But they didn't go that far. <laughs> but they even have them like, you know, on the edge of like a waterfall <laughs> and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, this is what's going to appeal to seven-year-olds, like a 90s Harrison Ford movie. <laughs> like, I mean, Filoni really just wanted to do The Fugitive with Ahsoka. Yeah, I mean, it's it's totally, totally that. But I, ju- I laughed so hard watching that. I'm like, really? This is where we're going with this? Yeah, and and again, the, the those little moments where you know, oh, we we really want to help you, but timeline wise, we're supposed to be saving Palpatine from Dooku. Oh, and you know, hey, did you capture Maul? Yeah, I'll be capturing Maul. Did you capture Dooku? Yeah, about that. Um, Anakin killed Dooku, so uh, you're gonna have to bring Maul to us so we can question him about this Sidious guy. <laughs> I just love the that the way they animated the shock on Ahsoka when Obi-Wan tells him Anakin killed Dooku. Like she cannot believe that. But we get into they're transporting Maul on the ship to Coruscant so he can stand trial and he can pres- presumably spill the beans on who this Darth Sidious is. And then, kudos to Filoni or whoever. They do not redub the scene with the TV show actors. They use the audio from the movie. Mace Windu confronting uh, Palpatine and Anakin later killing, uh, killing Mace Windu. That whole scene playing out and Ahsoka just getting the ultimate migraine as all this information is being fed to her through the Force. And also, Maul is, is, is getting this feeling as well. So they, they know shit's about to happen. They yeah. know that, you know, yeah. And the shock on, on, on Ahsoka as she's getting this information 
and that that final what have i done anakin what did you do right as captain rex is told to come out to come to the conference room because he has a briefing and those three words that we have been waiting for throughout this entire series you know it you love them execute order 66 this is not the first time order 66 has been mentioned in the clone war series previous i mean they you don't need to have seen the previous episodes because they explain it all to you here but yes a previously we've had the clone fives discover that every clone has had this inhibitor chip in their brain programmed with several orders and he's trying to warn people you know we, we, we this is this is bad you know someone is controlling us someone could give us these orders to do anything we we need to get rid of these inhib inhibitor chips now before it's too late no one listens to him and it ultimately ends in five's death and the the scene there where Rex, who has been Ahsoka's friend since the beginning, since that beginning movie, fighting with all of his strength not to kill Ahsoka. Find fives. Find fives. And before he just devolves into his programming and just shoots Ahsoka. And Ahsoka finds the... the Finds out what happened to Fives. Finds out about the inhibitor chips. Thanks to a couple of droids on the ship, they are able to knock out Rex and remove his inhibitor chip to kind of get her on on get him on her side. And I, the fact that they scan his they scan his head several times over and can't find the chip. You can tell that this movie came out after Rogue One. Because we get, I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. I am one with the Force and the Force is with me. Yeah. And through the through the power of the Force, he's able to, to locate his chip. And they get him out and he's on their side again. As I said in, in our last Clone Wars episode, this is an entire troop of clone troopers that Ahsoka has fought alongside this entire time. They are wearing her face. On their helmets. Because they respect her so much. And now they're trying to kill her. Yeah, I gotta... I gotta give it to them that that was a really nice touch. And the fact that they kept saying over and over again... That loyalty means everything to the clones. Loyalty means everything to the clones. <laughs> The one that they're lo the most loyal to, they they have orders to to kill. And I, kudos to Rex, kudos to Rex. He's trying to logic his way out of kill out of them killing Ahsoka. It's like, well, the order is to kill all Jedi, and you see, Ahsoka, not a Jedi, she's left the order, so technically, we shouldn't kill her. Yeah, which is sound logic. But uh, that, that that doesn't work. Because they're also trying to kill Maul. Yeah, who has never been a Jedi, as far as I can tell. It's just kill all Force users. 
uh, kill all force users at this point. And Maul would be dead if Ahsoka didn't save him. As he, she even says, don't make me regret this. And I'm pretty sure she does. Because he just left her high and dry. Yeah. Now, granted, Season 7. That came out in 2020. Several years after the original series ended and long after the Star Wars Rebel series ended. So they have to find a way to make a satisfying conclusion to the Clone Wars cartoon without without contradicting what they've already told in Rebels. And honestly, Solo at this point, since Solo had already come out. So in Solo and Rebels, Darth Maul is very much alive. So they had to find a way to keep Maul alive in the ending of this series so everything can connect. Is it a cheap connection? Yeah, but they kind of painted themselves into a corner here when it came to Maul. But the, the, that final part there, where the ship is crashing, and they're, they're trying to get out there, they're trying to save themselves, but at the same time, the clones are still trying to kill them. The Order 66 scenes from Revenge of the Sith, there are Jedi that don't even hesitate to attack their clone soldiers. And, and because that's all they see them, they're, they're clone soldiers. That's all they are. Ahsoka seemingly being one of the few to see the clones as friends, as allies. So to have her fight along this troop that has fought alongside her this whole time. Like I said, they're wearing her face on their helmets. She's trying to protect them while, while avoiding them killing her. There is no way out of this that that's going to happen. Either these clones are going to die or she is. I mean, Ahsoka lives. We know Ahsoka lives. Again, she's shown up in Rebels. She's shown up in The Mandalorian. She's not dying here. But for that to me, but that means this entire ship full of clones does die in a very large and horrific ship crashing onto this planet. And Rex, who had just had the inhibitor chip taken out of his head, that sadness in his face that they animate so well, just had to kill an entire ship full of his own brothers. Yeah, I mean, this is a really brutal sequence, especially for a kid's show. And yeah. I, th I think the thing where they stick around to bury as many of them as they can mm -hmm. is such a heart-rending scene. All the, the helmets lined up there. Mm -hmm. It's so... The I mean, music really doesn't help. Me. The music doesn't help. Like, they knew what they were doing with... Because the entire last seven minutes of this episode has no dialogue. 
None. Not one line of dialogue is said from the moment Ahsoka gets off that ship. And that's about seven to ten minutes. So about half this episode has no dialogue. It's just the visuals. It's just the music. Which I think is a brilliant choice, honestly. Mm -hmm. It really brings the pathos in. Yeah. And then just Ahsoka seeing her friends, seeing the soldiers that she fought alongside with, and just dropping her lightsabers. Because she has to make them believe she's dead. It's the only way to keep her safe. Like, all the Empire knows is that this ship carrying a bunch of clones and Ahsoka Tano crashed. To give that satisfaction of Ahsoka was destroyed in the, in the crash, she leaves her lightsabers. And you can kind of see the way they animate Ahsoka. Like, she's thinking about it. Like, do I really want to leave myself unprotected? But ultimately decided... No, no. They need to believe I'm dead. This is the only way they're going to believe I'm dead. So dropping that lightsaber and then... However many months later, because now it's snowing... We see... Vader. Anakin now fully Vader. This is the first and only time... Anakin is fully Vader in the Clone Wars with the... With the breathing sound. Again, no, 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 no lines, no dialogue... He just walks to the wreckage, and I guess they finally found it after all these months. And all he finds is Ahsoka's lightsabers. And that's the final image of Clone Wars, is Darth Vader picking up Ahsoka's lightsaber and walking away. I don't think we even got a full, sh of a really good shot of, uh, of Vader. Like, we see him from far away, we see him from behind. And we, we see, see him, him in a reflection. Yeah. In one of the clone trooper helmets. Yeah. And in a nice little bit of uh, continuity, we didn't mention it, but uh, the sister has an owl that always follows her. And we see that owl hovering over the ship kind of giving Anakin Vader the confirmation that Ahsoka is here. Ahsoka is somewhere in this rubble. If this owl is hovering above it. Like I said, the, the, the ending, the last 10 minutes of this episode of The Clone Wars hits so hard with not a single line of dialogue being said. Now, Grant, I mean, like I said, this this these episodes, season seven was produced long after the original run of the Clone Wars ended, long after Rebels ended. We're already, you know, season one of The Mandalorian had already aired at this point. So it's not anything new to anybody. <laughs> but the fact that they treated this as... It was the final, you know, like, if, if this was produced back then, I do give them the credit for that. And yeah, yeah I, I really enjoy that it went so dark. 
that they didn't try to tone it down at all because of like a eh, little kid show. Yeah. In fact, the only time I saw them tone it down was when they were doing the episodes about the the two sisters doing the spice smuggling. And because they can't really talk about drugs on a kid's show, they had um, Ahsoka mention that spice can be used to make medicine, but that the crime syndicate is using it to make something that ruins people's lives. She doesn't say drugs. She says something that ruins people's lives. You want to buy some death sticks? Yeah, I mean, you know, that's that's the implication, is that it's supposed to be something like how you can use, you know, the, the opium from poppies to make medication, or you can use it to make, you know, like the heroin and stuff, you know. Mm. But... Because it's a show for little kids, they can't be like, you know. <laughs> yeah, you can use it to make painkillers, or you can use it to make, like, deathly addictive drugs. Like, I think I think they were saving all of the hard stuff for these final four episodes. Yeah. Um, so that's the only time I really saw them, like, tone it down a little bit because it was a show for seven-year-olds. Other other than the fact that, like, the mysteries are all, like, Scooby-Doo level, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, the, plus, you needed a, a, a lighthearted episode before they really punch you in the gut with that finale. Yeah. But in terms of, like I said before, you introduce this brand new character that's supposed to be so important that it's... Anakin Skywalker's apprentice and now you have to find a way to explain why she's not there during the events of episode 3 and now the character has gotten so popular that you don't want to kill her off in order 66 and Dave Filoni has gone on record this is the favorite character he's ever created and it shows I mean, uh, I don't blame him. She's actually a really good character. Mm-hmm. And I do like her. Yeah. I think there was, you know, and a lot of people do, you know, again, people have seemingly forgotten that they hated this character at one point and, you know, now love this character and, uh, and all that. But I like that they have gotten, that they took a, that they didn't kind of cheap out in how they explain why she's not involved in events in Revenge of the Sith, but also do their best to not kill this popular character off. And now we're getting a brand new TV show just about this character as an adult versus after seeing her as a child. We've seen this character grow up as a young girl slash young woman. She's about, you know, when we first meet her, she's about 10, 12. I believe she's about 18 by the end of the series. 
And now we're about to see her as a roughly 40-year-old-ish woman. How old is Rosario Dawson? Yeah, about that age, but I don't know exactly how old Ahsoka is supposed to be in the new stuff. And and I want to interject here. We are recording this during the big SAG-AFTRA Writers Guild strike. Um... Please do not take our talking about a brand new series as anything to be promotion of the studio. There is a reason that our opening starts with Disney creatives and not Disney studio. Mm. We are fully on the side of the striking creatives here and not the studio. So please don't take any of our mentions of the fact that there is a new series as us being on the side of the studio here. If anything, please support the creatives who put their time and effort into this new series. Um, They have asked that you not boycott a new series, but please don't uh, credit it to the studio. The CEOs and the upper management have nothing to do with the creative end. Please support the actors, writers, and all the other creatives who deserve a better and fair deal. Thank you. All right. Uh, fair enough. Yes, I agree with that. Um, so, Kiki, uh, before we head up, let's let's wrap this up here. Kiki, does Ahsoka's story have the magic? I really like the character of Ahsoka. All of my issues with the Clone Wars so far that I've seen as a series has to do with the actual fact that the Clone Wars as a storyline is not great. I like the Mandalorian stuff. Uh, I like the Ahsoka storyline. But I think having it wrapped up around this like really bizarre nonsensical war storyline is what hurt the series. Mm. Ahsoka's storyline is amazing. Uh in this. Uh except for the fact that she is a child soldier who was obviously taken from whatever family she may have had uh that we do not find out about in this. I don't know if we will in future. Uh, they go into it in Tales of the Jedi, but it's it's very short. And we may do that one day, but, you know, not relevant to what we're talking about right now. But, yeah, we do see her for her family. I do. I mean, uh, again, I was one of the people who did not originally like the character of Ahsoka because annoying kid character, kid power always right, always get the, gets out of the jam, and then seeing the character mature through the series, seeing the character fail. We didn't really mention it. There is an episode where Ahsoka fails. Ahsoka, in her own hubris, tries to lead a mission on her own and gets her entire fleet killed. Maybe you don't put a child in charge of uh, a fleet of soldiers. Yes, yes, I agree. But her story com- 
you know, from beginning to where we end up in Order 66, amazing. And, you know, it shows, you know, showing this character growing up in war and becoming disillusioned and finding her own way. And yes, I believe, you know, for me, the Ahsoka storyline has the magic. And this show, I will say it again, I am not a fan of the art style of the Clone Wars series. I am not a fan of the art style of the Star Wars animated shows in general. Uh, and I mean that as the CG animated shows. Uh, Clone Wars, Rebels, Bad Batch. Yeah, I, f- I agree with that. It's it's still off-putting to me, and I have trouble uh, figuring out some of the characters sometimes. And a lot of that comes down to not having the image rights of these actors. So they they kind of have to fudge the look to kind of make it look sort of maybe, but not really like these actors. And sort of kind of maybe have voice actors do sort of kind of impressions that will keep them legally distinct. But the but the story itself has a lot of magic, and I, to me, the story the stories of these characters override my dislike of the art style, and I would recommend that. I I do think it's full of magic. On that. We are staying in the galaxy far, far away next week as we are continuing this story into Star Wars Rebels. We are seeing what happens to Ahsoka as an adult. We are meeting brand new characters that will be part of this show. And we are going to be talking about Grand Admiral Thrawn, who has been mentioned in a lot of these live action shows over the last few years. Kiki, I know you read the original book. I bet you're going to be very interested in how they adapt Thrawn uh, to the screen, at least in in Rebels. Yeah, this is actually something I've been waiting for because I have not seen any of Rebels yet. So Mm. this is going to be brand new for me. I have not seen how they have handled Thrawn. And you're right, I was a big fan of the EU books back in the day. So I will be very interested in in how that uh, works out. I could see you like this one, watching a couple more extra episodes to see a few more Thrawn episodes. Yeah, that that might actually happen. <laughs> season three and four. That's uh, Thrawn that shows up in season three. You can All go right. from there. So come back next week for Star Wars Rebels, and we will talk to you all next time. Bye. Bye. Don't let the magic stop here. Join our conversations on Facebook, Instagram, and threads at Rewatching the Magic. Be our on X at Rewatch the Magic. And new episodes are available every week at rewatchingthemagic.podbean.com. Remember, the magic is for everyone. It only stops if you let it. Podcasts are fun. But there's work to be done. We encourage you to get involved. Here are some organizations we support. The American Civil Liberties Union fights for the constitutional rights of all Americans. Find them at ACLU.org. The National Network of Abortion Funds helps people find access to safe abortion services. Their site is abortionfunds.org. The Trevor Project provides a 24-7 crisis helpline for LGBTQ youth and education services for schools on LGBTQ issues. 
They can be found at thetrevorproject.org. Or find a way to help in your area.